Hey friends, I'm Stephanie here with my co-host Rebecca here at What's the Bible Say? We are super glad that you've joined us today for part two of a very important series where we ask the question, do all lives really matter? In our last episode, we looked at What's the Bible Say? about where life comes from and does God even really value life? And if you missed our last episode, you'll want to be sure to go back and give a listen. Yes. And ultimately, what we want to do is find out what does the Bible say about Mm -hmm. it. And in our last episode, we shared several verses about whether life matters or not. And we want to share a few more with you today. So we're going to jump right into it. So Psalm 103, excuse me, Psalm 100 verse 3 says, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And then I love this one in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. It says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you have created all things, and for your pleasure they are and were created. Yeah, so there really is no shortage of verses when it comes to telling us that God is the creator and the sustainer of life. But when you think about the act of abortion, which is what we're going to be talking about, we need to remember that like in Proverbs chapter um, 6, verses 16 through 19, God gives us a list of things that he hates. Mm. He says six things that I hate and seven are abomination to me. But he says that he hates hates hands that shed innocent blood. And I can think of no more innocent blood than that of an unborn baby in a mom's womb. That's so true. Yes. So let's discuss why does this even matter? In our last episode, we shared a few examples, but today we get to hear Stephanie's story. And I just want to say that I think it's so amazing that God can take something horrific Mm -hmm. and terrible and he can make it into something beautiful. And I know, Stephanie, that this issue of life is personal for you. He specializes in making beauty out of ashes. And so, yes, it's super personal for me. As we talk about life and we talk about abortion, and and I look back at my history, I was the result of a brutal rape. My mom went on a a date with this guy, and she was getting ready to break up with him, and and his anger turned into rage, which turned into this horrific, brutal rape. Mm -hmm. She was attacked, and I was a result of that. And so it's super personal to me, but when I was 27 years old, I I got to meet my birth mom, Mm -hmm. and she is such has was such an amazing woman. She's gone home to be with the Lord. She was this phenomenal prayer warrior. And just getting to know her was such a gift to me. But I remember, you know, her talking about giving me up for adoption. And she Mm -hmm. said that the hardest thing that she ever did was to place me into the arms of another woman. And and so I kind of was curious because I wanted to know, did you ever consider abortion? Mm -hmm. And back then, abortion wasn't necessarily legal. However, Mm -hmm. for the exception of rape and and all other Mm -hmm. things that they can come up with, you could go to the hospital and have an abortion. And I asked her if she considered it. And she said, absolutely not. Aborting me would have been giving me the death penalty for what the rapist had done to her. And so my mom understood that a life is a life regardless of how that life is conceived. And I think about people who choose abortion. Abortion doesn't lessen the the pain of a rape. It actually intensifies one tragedy on top of another. You're just kind of multiplying the pain. So when I speak at pro-life events, 
one of the things that I focus in on is the ripple effect because mm -hmm. it is tragic that, that a life is lost, but it's not just that life that's lost. It's the ripple effect after that baby's life. You lose that baby. You lose the impact that that life will have. You lose the voice that that life will have in this great big wide world. But it's the generations that are lost because the baby is aborted or the, the mm. baby's life is terminated at that point. Yes. And so, so if my mom didn't choose life, I wouldn't exist. Mm. And my little voice and my little small impact in this great big wide world would not be here. It would be lost. But not only would my influence be lost, but my husband's life would be very different. Yes, for sure. And my sons, Carl and DJ, mm. they wouldn't exist, which means their wives' lives would be very different. Mm. And my granddaughter, Caitlin Jewell, she wouldn't exist. And I can't imagine a world without Caitlin, Carl, and DJ. And I can't imagine what Leah and Christina's life would be like and Donald's life would be like um, and as I part of say, it. I wouldn't have my sweet friend Stephanie if your mother, yeah. I'm super thankful that your mother chose life. I am too. Thank you. Yeah, I know. And I, I don't know. It's just a ripple effect that people don't consider that it's not just one life. And what if I don't, but what if I was able to have the cure for cancer? I mean, one of these right. babies right. that have aborted might have had the cure for cancer, might have had, you know, some kind of breakthrough that, that we missing out on. That's right. So, and not, and then you think not only of this life, but the multiple ripple effect of the generations mm -hmm. that have also been lost. The influence that could have been had by one baby. The latest statistic from 2022 is that 64,443,118 mm. babies have been aborted since 1973 in the United States alone. Oh. Wow. So I know that we've talked about this on the previous episode, but it really bears repeating. The right to life is given to each of us by God. Mm. That means no one has a right to infringe on that right to life. That's right. And I feel like if they do, they're committing not only a moral, but an ethical crime against human beings, against humanity. And yes. so it matters because a, a child's life should not be a choice. The vast majority, really over 95% of abortions are what are considered elective. And if you don't know what elective mm. means, that means that people are choosing to take the life of a baby that they're carrying because of things like their finances. Maybe they don't have a lot of money. Maybe the, the baby would interfere with their career plans or their educational plans mm. or maybe even relationship plans. Sometimes it's a result of an affair or infidelity you know, mm. between relationships and the the woman doesn't want the man to find out, and so abortion is her way out. Hmm. Or maybe the mother's too young, which I can really relate to that, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but but maybe she doesn't want any more kids. So, hmm. you know, there are a multitude of reasons, and I understand firsthand some are pressured, so I understand what that can be like when you're pressured to have an abortion. When I was 17 years old, I was pregnant with my son, Carl, and somebody hmm. very near and dear to me had a big influence on my life, looked at me one afternoon and said, Stephanie, have you ever considered terminating the pregnancy? Hmm. And I thought, no, absolutely not. Because I realized that a life is a life no matter how old you hmm. are, no matter That's how young it. you are, no matter how that life is conceived. And I cannot imagine life without my son Carl in wow. it. 
Yeah. He's I'm an amazing so- man. He's the most witty man. I, I, you know, he's hilarious and love him dearly. So I can't imagine yeah. life without him. Wow. Yes. And, and for women who cry out for choice, I think it's important to understand when to make that choice. Yes. And that choice is before you become sexually involved or active with someone. And if you don't choose to abstain, then, then you've made your choice. And if you find yourself with child, then now you have a responsibility of another person's life. And a baby's death should never be the result of a couple's casual sexual relationship or because having a baby is inconvenient. And I'm so thankful, Stephanie, that at a young age, you understood that somehow you knew that was wrong. Yeah, I'm so thankful because I wasn't a Christian at the time, but I'm so thankful that the Lord you know, kind of guided me to make the right decision and to choose life, even though it was hard. It was hard being a single mom. Oh, I'm sure. It was hard raising a child when you're a teenager, but God equips you for it, even though you might not be ready for it. And, you know, you have to take that responsibility seriously in the life seriously. And I want to kind of backtrack and talk about those who talk about the exceptions to a mother's life and to rape or incest. And if you're like me and you were conceived as a result of a rape, this is really super, you know, personal because pregnancies that are as a result of a rape are really only less than actually 1% of all pregnancies that occur. So when we're talking about those pregnancies, we also need to remember that even if they are a result of rape, that a life is a life, no matter how it's conceived. It doesn't change the fact that a life is a life. Right. And for every baby that is aborted. There are couples who are desiring to be parents and that are waiting to adopt. Yeah, and we we can all take responsibility because rather than promoting abortion and making it easy to take a baby's life, organizations and laws should be really funding and busy about promoting adoption and making it easy Amen. for babies to be adopted and given life in a whole new family. Right, you know? right. So true. And, and rather than a woman being told that the baby is a blob, I think the medical community is responsible. <laughs> the staff should be responsible and required to tell women the truth. It's not a blob. It's a baby. It's not health care when one patient uh, or when only one patient comes out alive. That's not health care. And a doctor's Hippocratic oath, his, his first oath is do no harm. Hmm. And it's kind of kind of impossible to do no harm when a baby is is really killed on purpose yes. inside of a mother's womb during a medical, so-called yes. medical procedure. And is profited from. Oh, Yes, That's and we know it's a money it's a money making thing. And mm-hmm. I think what is so sad is that so many women live with the guilt of abortion because mm-hmm. they believed what some clinician told them mm-hmm. in this cold sterile room about a baby being just a blob. And I just read that a woman who had mm-hmm. an abortion like 30 years ago, she was in her 20s and she she lived with the guilt of that for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. The abortion was heavy on her heart because she believed what they said, but deep down inside she knew a little bit more than a blob or a whole lot more than a blob. And I think the church, rather than spurning those who are pregnant and unmarried, the church should reach out and look for that as an opportunity to love on them and to tell them the truth, to to share the love of Jesus and the gospel with them, to help them navigate a life-giving choice for that baby, and then to minister to them beyond the birth of the baby. Right, exactly. And you know, rather than fighting for choice, Mm -hmm. we should be teaching purity and fidelity. Oh goodness, yes. And teaching responsibility 
responsibility and consequences, which actually at the end of the day is is what God designed to make us our best person. Mm, yeah. And the abortionists are really great at branding themselves. Yes, you they know? are. They brand their million billion dollar money making machine. They call it pro-choice instead of pro-abortion or pro-death. It doesn't change what it is. No matter how they brand it, they can package right. it and make it look all pretty and, and with a bow on it and on top and fight for women's rights. But it's the barbaric ending of a human life. Yes. And, and we need to talk about what it really is. Right. That's so true. So all of those things are very heavy. This matters because why, Stephanie? Well, it matters because all life, all human life is precious. It's precious to God and it's a gift. And no one should have the right to be able to slaughter or euthanize another human being on the altar of choice. We think, you know, you can't see the baby in the womb. And yet that was done outside the womb. It would be You'd be imprisoned for You'd be in prison for murder. And why is that okay? Just because it's in a different place, a hidden place. Right. A secret place. Yeah. So how are we going to apply this to our lives? It's such a good question because we can talk about it all day Mm -hmm. long. Proverbs 24, 11, and 12 says, listen to this. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we did not know this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? Mm. And God calls us to be more than silent um, silent or frustrated protesters. And yeah, protest, but, but we, we can't be silent. We're called to be active defenders of life. We are called to protect and value all life. We should speak up and speak out against the barbaric killing of innocent children. We can call our representatives. We can speak out against unjust laws that they're trying to pass on the books. Pay attention to the laws. What are they tucking in between the pages there and make sure there's nothing that's going to harm life. We need to protect the unborn and the vulnerable and those who stand in need, the weak, who can't speak for themselves. Yes, we can volunteer. We can um, go to crisis pregnancy centers to volunteer, to homeless shelters, to nursing homes, to hospitals. Here in Jacksonville, there's a lot of wonderful organizations. Mm -hmm. One is called Family for Life, and they send out an email that lets you know what's going on, where you can get involved. Those are all good ways that we can actually do something about this. Yeah, and you We can also invest in ministries and organizations that are, like I said, on the front lines in the fight for the unborn. Listen, they need money. They can't do this without your funding. So yeah, invest. And here's another thing that's very, very important. We also need to help women who have had an abortion to find that forgiveness and that peace through Jesus Christ. I love what First Coast Women's Services teaches. When I was a part of a single um, mom's ministry, I went to meet with First Coast Women's Services, and I was so impressed and grateful for the ministry that they have. And one thing that they shared with us is that they always tell women that if they've had an abortion, that God is on the other side of that abortion, Mm -hmm. that he does not hate them, that he's standing there with Mm -hmm. arms open, loving them. And that is a lie from the enemy. If you've had an abortion and you feel like God hates you, that is not true. Mm -hmm. He loves you and he desires for you to find healing and peace. That is such a powerful statement and a truth to teach people who have experienced an abortion. And you know, there are a multitude of ways that we can make a difference. But I think one of the things that maybe we forget, but I don't want us to forget, and that is to pray. 
Hmm. You know, I want to share a story as we close about the power of prayer in our largest local crisis pregnancy center. Um, they started sending out prayer request text messages, and hmm. those text messages included the the request, and no names were given, but like initials. And when I met with the director of development, she shared with me that when they started this prayer text, that they found that there has been a 40% reduction in those who choose to abort since they started that. Wow. And so, so, yes, be actively that involved. Amazing. I know. I, I mean, prayer wow. makes a difference, right? Yes, it does. We need to pray. And I don't know. I know for me, sometimes I don't think to pray for those organizations to pray for, right. you know, what, the, you know, the, the women that are in there, but I love getting those texts. So mm. if you haven't signed up, get the text. Um, I'm going to do that. I have not. I'm yeah, going to do that. Very powerful to be able to pray for them like that. So yes, be actively involved in making a difference, but above all, let's be sure we pray and understand that it's God, God alone, who can change the heart of a person, a woman who's standing in the need of, or in the, the crossroads of making the decision That's for right. life or death. And if you're considering an abortion, maybe you know somebody who is, you're struggling with an unwanted pregnancy. Mm-hmm. We encourage you to contact First Coast Women's Services here in locally if you're in Jacksonville. Um, maybe the Emergency Pregnancy Center on Oak Street or The Nest. Those are all great places. You can yes. go get a free pregnancy test. You can get an ultrasound. They can help you with healthy options for your baby's future. That's awesome. Life is such a precious gift, and I'm telling you, it's worthy of every bit of strength and effort that we can give to protect it. Amen. Well, thank you so much for watching or listening today to What's the Bible Say? Part 2. And if you need to listen to Part 1, then you can find us at whatsthebiblesay.org. You can find all of our episodes there. We have some free resources for you. And perhaps you know somebody who could really be encouraged by this episode. Then please share it with them. It would be our heart's joy if we were able to encourage someone towards standing for life. Mm. So as we go, may you be encouraged to stand for life because all of life matters because it matters to God. Until next time. Mm.